Hello and welcome to the Deep 2 NBA podcast. My name's Sean and joining me as always is the one and only Dante Buffer. Mr. Buffer, my man, how are we? I'm lit. How are you? <laughs> good. How was Sydney? Sydney was good. Sean went to Sydney. Uh, yeah, it was, it was not as good as Melbourne, but that's obviously a Respect. sure thing. Respect. Um, yeah, no, Sydney's very haphazard, you know, so there's... And Melbourne's very planned out and just better all around, better at sport, better at looking nice, better at coffee, better at... Yeah, it wasn't a very good trip. <laughs> How was dinner? Oh, dinner was so damn good. <laughs> vegan bolognese, orecchiette bolognese with my pasta sauce, but vegan mince. It was beautiful. It was delicious. Uh, but how do you... Wait, how do you make how do you make vegan mince? So it's like, it's like nut-based. Um, Is it like, it's a, like kefir? A, no, that's something else. Keep going. I don't even know what I don't even know what it's made out of. Uh, okay. It's like made out of nuts in some capacity, <laughs> and you just cook it like regular beef mince, and then put it in your pasta sauce. Does it brown up? Yeah. Nicely. That's all you want. Yeah. It's crazy. <laughs> anyway, we're here to talk about basketball, and more specifically, we're here to talk about the eye, the apple of my eye, Ben Simmons. The apple of your eye. The apple of my eye. Really. I'm a Ben Simmons stan. I mean, I'm I'm a fan, but I don't know about. You, you actually like him that much? Yeah, I do. Oh, shit. I'm into him. All right. Well, yeah. We he, um, he he he's his mold of basketball player is exactly like me. So I see a lot of myself in him. Mm-hmm. In that good pass, I can't shoot. It's mm-hmm. pretty much how I've six operated. foot ten. Yeah, six foot ten. Went to box or secondary college. Anyway, <laughs> the similarities are endless. But the reason why we want to talk about Simmons is because a couple of weeks ago, everyone's favorite occasional NBA analyst Kendrick Perkins said that the 76ers should trade Ben Simmons and for one reason or another Kendrick Perkins opinion actually became news and it was doing the rounds with you know the NBA community should Ben Simmons be traded it was serious enough that um, Sixers GM Elton Brand came out and gave a statement saying we're not trading Ben Simmons but it's obviously quite a divisive topic and even in this room, I know it divides mm. us because I know you think that Simmons should be traded and I think that the Sixers should stand pat. The floor is yours. Uh, I don't think that he should be traded. I just think like it's not in it's not in Philly's best interest to trade him. Just It'll be a PR nightmare to have your... Finally, you get the number one overall pick, you re-sign him, and then you turn around and trade him. But... I just don't think that we're seeing Ben Simmons at his best when he's on a team where Joel Embiid is the best player. And for the whole time those two are going to be playing together, Joel Embiid is always going to be the best player because he is, you know, the comparisons to Hakeem Olajuwon everywhere. He is, you know, he's a great center in our league. And I don't think Ben Simmons, who, you know, after his rookie season, people went, okay, well, that's an amazing rookie season, like 15 and 8. Like, if that's his floor, he's going to be amazing. Well, 15 and 8 looks a lot more like his ceiling now that he's averaging 12 and 8 and he's sort of had a you know he actually hasn't he hasn't really been better on paper since his rookie season so you know he's sort of settling himself into you know I don't want to say but an average point guard like he is a unique point guard in that he's 6 foot 10 you know body like LeBron but he's still pretty average for his position so Joel Embiid's always going to be the guy on that team so I think if we're going to see the best Ben Simmons and we're going to see an amazing Ben Simmons and I don't know if this is how Kendrick Perkins feels but you and I definitely as Aussies have an interest in seeing Ben Simmons succeed and I think he has to go elsewhere to reach his full potential yeah I think he probably does have to go elsewhere to reach his full potential which is why it's fun to play around with trades but I think the whole what's gotten lost in the shuffle this season about Ben Simmons performances like you have to say obviously that he hasn't really added anything to his game since he was a rookie. But he hit a three. What are you talking yeah. about? He hit a three against <laughs> the Knicks and I stand, ACO. <laughs> I stand corrected. I stand corrected. I remember when I was younger, in like the early the early 2010s, um, and I was listening to... This is when like Joe Kim Noah was like first becoming like really, really good. And you were mm-hmm. like, oh shit, how did this dude who was effectively Robin Lopez two seasons ago just average five assists as a center? Mm. And everyone was saying like that he would go away at the end of a season and he'd come back at the start and he'd have like two new skills. Yeah, he'd yeah, be yeah, better yeah. at two new things and it wouldn't be like it might just be like angling his screen better and entry passes. But yeah. every year, you yeah, know, and so. then over the course of a couple of years, you've got all these new skills in your repertoire. Simmons has effectively added nothing. But that being said, his scoring's down this season. Uh, be, um, by about three points but he's also mm. his usage is down massively his usage is down um, 
I can't remember what the percentage was, but it's like, it's heaps because obviously with Horford coming in and Embiid still having, you know, like a large chunk of the offense and then Tobias Harris is finishing possessions as well. There's Mm. like a lot of ball to go around. But there's also an argument that you should be giving it to those guys who can shoot and can create a bit more. Yeah, definitely. But that's why I think that being like, oh, Simmons is only averaging 12 points now is a bit of a misnomer because he's, he's having the ball in his hands less and he... The one thing that's concerning is that he's getting to the free throw line less. He's getting there about five and a half times last season. He's getting there about three times mm. per game this season. But that being said, even with his reduced usage rate, he's um, the best in the league among point guards in terms of usage rate to assist percentage. Mm-hmm. So when he does have the ball, he's assisting his teammates on you know at a rate that no one else in the league. He's can effective match. when he gets his hands on. Yeah, him. exactly. So I think the whole. I think looking at his scoring numbers and saying like, oh, like he's so limited offensively is maybe a little bit like miss, missing the mark, but also like he's never going to be like the full potential of himself mm-hmm. on this team because he's like maybe the third, second or third best player. Like mm-hmm. I, you can make an argument that Tob Harris is better than him. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's... See, yeah, I'm, I'm not really making the argument that he's gone down and he's the worst player, but I just yeah. think like... You talk about how when he does get the ball, he's really efficient with it. Well, imagine he's in a situation where he's, and I'm going to bring one up, where he is like the second. He's going to, he's going to be the definite second banana as opposed to maybe his third, maybe his fourth. Imagine if he is getting all the opportunities to show like his amazing like lack of turnovers and his amazing assist percentage and how he you know, gets his teammates the ball. Imagine him in a situation like the situation that has been talked about for years. Um, and I almost feel bad bringing it up, but... A hypothetical trade is a straight swap Ben Simmons for CJ McCollum. Um, obviously, CJ just uh, signed an extension, so he can't get traded till X date. I think it's December fifteenth. Yeah, December fifteenth, and then um, that's when it all kicks off. This, yeah, that's when that's when the you know not the trade deadline, but the trade start line. Yeah, the trade the trade season starts on December fifteenth. Um, but yeah, so it's just the more I hear about this trade, the more fun and the more sense it makes because. You trade Ben Simmons to Philly and then Portland uh, shaking up a roster that's been pretty stagnant for the last couple of years. Yes, they made the conference finals last year and the whole Blazers PR team is like, look, we've made improvement, first round, first round conference finals. But they were lucky to get in a draw where they didn't have to play Houston or Golden State until the, until the conference final. So they're still a middling first round, second round um, playoff team in my eyes. And... You know, just imagine getting rid of um, CJ and chucking in Ben Simmons. How much more unique this team is with, you know, one of the greatest scorers in the league with Ben Simmons, who's going to be playing the four. Um, and, you know, they can probably wave Melo after that, which is <laughs> always a bonus. But just adding another element to this team where instead of just two attacking, scoring small guards, you've now got one of the best scorers in the league. He's still there. But then also Ben Simmons, who's going to get a lot more of the ball, a lot more attention, a lot more passes to make. And I just think it's an opportunity for both. And then obviously on the Philly side, they double down on um, surrounding Embiid. They get a dynamic offensive creator who can also shoot. So they've got five guys on the court who can shoot. If you call and beat a shooter, I know mm. he's pump fakes more tantalizing than the actual <laughs> than the actual going through the net bit. But I think if you put that team around um, Joel Embiid, then that is like extremely deadly. And I mean, I'm not I'm not the first person to bring this trade up, but yeah, it's it just keeps getting better and better the the more you think about it. I like it for Portland, but the one thing that I th- I'm nervous about with Philly and that I think restricts the trade options is who's playing the point in Philly on this team yeah but CJ is like sneakily not as good of a creator as (laughs) everyone in their head thinks like CJ running the point makes me like exclusively with you know Raul Neto and Trey Burke as backups makes me nervous and Josh Richardson isn't yeah, a combo. He's like a good one, secondary two. creator. He's a you know he's a combo two three. Like you don't want Josh Richardson having to handle the ball like mm-hmm. a lot. Like he was still in Miami last year when he was like had a huge role in the offense. It was still Dragic and Winslow handling the ball more than him. Mm-hmm. So that makes me nervous. But I think for Portland it would be a way to shake things up and like a Dame Ben Simmons combo like mm. Ben Simmons on the break with Dame flowing out to the three or like if they can actually get Ben Simmons involved as a pick and roll screener a Dame Simmons pick and roll 
where Simmons on the short roll gets the ball and then can like look off for cutters and shooters. That's like, that's scary. Yeah, I like it. Shiver inducing. I actually yeah. like to trade more for Philly though, because I just think like if you can have point guard by committee, where you're going to have CJ and Jay Rich, who aren't you know aren't the greatest facilitators, but together they can cobble together some some point guard positional looks at least. Yeah. But then also throw in like obviously all you need to do is dump the ball down to Embiid, and then he's going to draw the defense, and then he's you know been known as a bad passer, and you just sort of cross your fingers and hope that a great player can figure it out. But then also again back to um, point guard by committee, you've also got Tobias Harris, who like he's not an awful passer, but. Mm. I mean, you get you one or two a game, and then yeah. you just, just shut your eyes when you look at his advanced numbers. And Al Horford is obviously a really good distributor at the yeah, that's at the, the, you, the yeah, yeah at the elbow. So I think you know you don't want to say oh we don't need a point guard, but I think those five dudes. If anyone's gonna, if you're gonna get rid of, if you're gonna delete a point guard on any team, it's gonna be the team with Al Horford and two capable ish shooting guards. Yeah, no, that's a fair point. That's a fair point. <laughs> I just get nervous having watched the Phoenix Suns have no point guards for the last like yeah, three years. Scarred. I've seen, I've seen <laughs> what that looks like. That being said, though, like Philly has infinitely more talent than any of those really bad Suns teams did. So mm. it's not an apples to apples comparison. But um, yeah, I don't reckon this trade is going to happen. I just don't think Philly can turn around and trade their guy. Yeah, especially after, <laughs> obviously, obviously saying um, Elden Brand coming out and saying, yeah, look, look, we're sticking with him. Take that with a grain of salt because you know a lot of a lot of front office guys have said yeah we're keeping him and then they just turn around <coughs> Masai Ujiri but um, yeah <laughs> yeah it's I just don't think it's going to happen. Elton Brand's also one of the most aggressive gems in the league. Like mm. has no for his one season they like yeah but one like, season he went all in yeah, yeah he went all one in. for one yeah <laughs> yeah but he was like all right let's just swing the Jimmy trade and then it didn't work out and they're like all right we're going to get something back for Jimmy mm. and yeah anyway I think. Yeah, I think if there was one person who was going to just be like, anyway, I might just fuck around and trade Ben Simmons, it would probably be Elton Brand. Yeah. Anyway, my I've got one more trade. Yeah. Which I think is much better. Mm. Um, have you got any trades? One of them? I've got two. You got two. Right? Mm. Well, how about you go for one of them? Right, I'm, I'm, I'm still in the I'm still in the limelight. All right. So my first one is Ben Simmons and Mike Scott to the New Orleans Pelicans for Brandon Ingram and Lonzo Ball. That's that's ironic. That's the that's one and two getting traded for each other. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, I don't think Philly do that because Philly see themselves as contenders right now and bringing in Lonzo Ball again back to you got the no point card problem. Well, I mean, Lonzo Ball in theory is a replacement and gives you some of the qualities that Ben Simmons did, does in terms of pushing the pace and being a really gifted scorer and they've already so you really give to pass that not score absolutely not a score they've already like designed an offense that fits in with an offensively limited point guard who can pass so mm-hmm. Lonzo in theory would fit in really well same thing but smaller yeah same thing but smaller <laughs> and then Brandon Ingram um is playing really 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 well yeah. 26 and 7 so far through this year but the key number I think because obviously like his scoring would, he's like the number one option on this team mm. his scoring would come back to earth on Philly but he gives you positional flexibility through you could realistically play him as a 2 if you wanted through the 2, 3 so and the 4 Richardson's coming off the bench nah Horford's coming off the bench so you move Tobias Harris to the four yeah, and then yeah, yeah, yeah. everyone would still get their 32 a game, yeah. but you'd shuffle it around. And the thing that makes me a bit more optimistic about this is that this year Ingram is really improved as a playmaker. He's averaging four mm-hmm. and a half assists, which is pretty much what CJ is averaging. Yeah. But then you got, yeah, the my same argument with point yeah. guard by committee. But then it's, but then you got Lon, you got Lonzo as well. But then so. you're also taking Horford off the court for yeah. the starting winners but he's yeah, going to finish games yeah he'll, yeah, he'll, he'll finish well, games well actually if you're if that is your lineup, do you finish with Lonzo on the bench yeah definitely <laughs> definitely yeah so you're going to go point guard by committee at the end but that's when you know like you're yeah, just getting the got ball guys taking shots yeah you yeah. want your best five on the court trying to, trying to yeah flop the doodles on the table and see who's bigger yeah the thing <laughs> the thing with that will be Philly will go into the tax by giving Ingram his next contract so yeah that that you know you have to decide whether or not that's worth it but for New Orleans mm. imagine a team with Ben Simmons and Zion Williamson on the same court mm. like imagine how far, a, ben, a Ben Simmons Zion Williamson pick and roll mm. and you get a bit more flexibility without having to pay Brandon <clears throat> Ingram which is looking like a pretty bad um, no extension in retrospect but you yeah. definitely couldn't have done it no you couldn't you, have done it yeah. I said I said when we did that 
extension e- that extension episode. episode that if he shows you know plays to his potential that I wouldn't have an issue giving him the max and through you know a quarter of the season mm. that's exactly where his contract's going to be in restricted free agency mm. like if you're not giving him the max then you're not getting him mm. so it's interesting because you want to see like obviously the, yeah. obviously the Pelicans are bad and Ingram just pretty much has as much of the ball as he wants so mm. you want to see him knowing that he's not going to be one of the best two players on a championship team you want to see him how he can thrive in a ecosystem where he's lower down the pecking order so be a gamble but all of these trades are going to be a gamble considering that this team's won well, 55 and 53 games for the really, last two years brilliant segue um, into trades that aren't gambles my next trade you got one more sneeze in you no, nah. <laughs> I've done a really good job of hiding it, but you just threw me under the bus. <laughs> I'm going to keep it in as well. Uh, ben Simmons for James Johnson, Myers Leonard, and Miami's own 2022 first round pick. I hate that trade. Really? That is like. Myers Leonard's been playing well. That is like 15 cents on the dollar. Are you serious? James Johnson and Myers Leonard. <laughs> oh. And Ben Miami's- Simmons is an all star. Oh, is he an all-star this year? No, he's not. <laughs> and he's not an all-star in the West. He's a D'Angelo Russell on a very Eastern all-star. Yeah, he's an injury replacement. I just... Yeah, yeah all right. Um, but it's great for Miami. Oh, it's amazing <laughs> for Miami. But if you're... I feel like we're going to keep saying this, but point guard by committee, you're going to go back and you're just going to... The biggest problem with Philly is the last couple of years has been filling out the bench. You're gonna try. You're gonna feel like the bench with Miles Leonard, who's been playing well, and they've really needed backup center, as well as James Johnson, who you know he had that year two years ago where he was a crazy playmaker and he was a better shooter, and he's definitely regressed from there. But he, um, uh, yeah, but you know he's going to be a versatile defensive, defensive, pretty much first defensive big off the bench. You can play with both Al Horford. Um, and Joel and both of them at the same time so super scary on defense really versatile Myers Leonard will plug the hole with <laughs> Kylo Quinn um, in backup center but then yeah you've also got the problem with no backup point guard yeah look you know what if I've sort of talked myself out of what it. if you threw Justice Winslow into the trade uh, matching salary for Justice Winslow who makes three million this year yeah, you're doing the same thing. You're doing the same thing with Ben Simmons where you've just sort of copied and pasted Ben Simmons minus the potential to be better. Yeah, but Ben Simmons on... like The real Ben Simmons on the Sixers has to play 32 minutes a game. Mm. Justice Winslow is a role player no matter where he goes. Yeah. So you can play Justice Winslow 22 minutes a game and then have point guard, point guard by committee for the rest of it and it just gives you a bit more flexibility because... The key thing that you said with James Johnson is he had that season two years ago, which is like, yeah, two years a ago. massive asterisk, yeah. Yeah, I've really talked myself out of and that. And Myers-Leonard, <laughs> maybe he's having a good start to the season, but it's fucking Myers-Leonard. Yeah. Traded for a bag of chips. <laughs> Traded for da- goddamn Hassan Whiteside, the most untradeable player in the NBA. Anyway, I hate to absolutely go in on the trade, but... Yeah, no, you're it. right. Now, I, I, I also liked it because of the 2022 first round pick as well if it's unprotected mm. which in my hypothetical trade it is unprotected yeah um, you, that is a trade chip that they can turn around and flip for something else if something else does pop up but mm. you know we don't really know what the trade market is shaping out like because there's no one there's no one really on the trading block is there anyone have you heard any names be available on trading block Tristan Thompson Kevin Love but depending on who you talk they've, also, they've you been talk available to, like, <laughs> but depending on who you listen to they're either saying like make a good offer or we're just going to keep. We're actually just going to keep them because we're not as bad as we thought we'd be. But yeah, they've they've also been available for the last three years, and if they were going to get moved, they were. Yeah, they are, and you know, Tristan Thompson is in the last year of his contract. I think. Yeah. I don't know. He's not swinging the needle. Yeah. There's no one. No one's come to the forefront. There's no grumpy. There's no grumpy player. There's no. You know, Bradley Beal seems to be happy with the second best offense in Washington, and also he can't get traded. There's no Denver wing. That's really gonna sw- like move the needle. Mm. There's no one really. Yeah. Not yet. Not yet. Yeah. 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 My anyway. Yeah. My <laughs> second trade is Ben Simmons for Dejounte Murray, Lonnie Walker the fourth, and a 2020 first round pick. Well, we're gonna talk about uh, San Antonio later when we hit when we just knock off every team in the West. But um, Dejounte Murray. 
like that is an amazing defense if you can have DeJounte at the point of attack with behind him being El Horford and Joel Embiid that's amazing yeah but like oh, nah he's just not good on offense he's shooting like 22% from three yeah but if you're like if you're trade <clears throat> he's shooting 22% for three what's Ben Simmons shooting <laughs> I know he's actually shooting 50% from three this year <laughs> but, but yeah <laughs> Um, I just because you, you're giving up too much. I, I I I think if there was one team where Murray could be supported a bit more, if you re- if you lean on the bigs a bit more rather than giving it to Murray, he at least can handle the ball. Like he's not like an elite creator, mm. uh, but his defensive defensive potential is unreal. And then a dude like Lonnie Walker has been effectively. Like a zero, amazing. A zero through two years in the league. So you throw him in for peanuts and take a swing on him because the yeah. only cheap wing, you know, you need more cheap young wings. And Zaire yeah, Smith yeah. hasn't played yet this year. Yeah. And then the twenty twenty first round pick could be really good. Could be good. Like you know, the Spurs would hope that it would only be like maybe like the twelfth pick, but it might be higher. And mm. you could look at trading that pick later in the season for. Point God help yeah, if you again, still need it. Available. I just think you can't have two Matisse Tybals on your roster because getting Jean Yeah, Murray, but Matisse Tybals playing twelve minutes a game. Yeah, because he's he's sort of out of the out of the rotation. So then you've got two of the exact same problem of two guys who are amazing on defense, like absolutely incredible, but mm. just not really. Yeah, no. Look, we've we've run into a co- common problem with all these four trades. The, yeah. If you're going to trade one of the better point guards, even though I just called him average before the start of the episode, <laughs> if you're going to trade one of the better, more established point guards in the league, you're just always going to end up with a worse off point guard. Yeah, there's no and like the thing the thing with this team is it's like with Richardson and Harris on the wings, like you don't need starting level wing help. Mm. The, you know, like in an, in in a world where you look at need, it would be a trade like you talked about with Miami where they just get like a couple of role players who can come in and fill out the bench. But mm. if you're looking at that, you're not getting the value for a twenty three year old all star. And there's no point guard available. Yeah, exactly. There's mm. no one who's there's there's no one who's available yeah. yet. But like Russell. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Yeah, no, this, maybe. Yeah. We've oh, this is a bit it's a bit somber, but we've just sort of like both talked ourselves out of these trades. I, I'm speaking for yourself there. I think that the Sixers were four bounces away from mm. the conference finals last year. They've got a top eight player in the league. They've got a top, you know, like seven centre. They've got good depth on the wings and at the starting position and Simmons I think his struggles have been overblown and uh, through the first part of the season Philly's actually um, performing really really well oh, well they're 12 for, and 6 they're the, they're the, they're the 5 seed so 538 has them the third highest um, the third highest chance at 34% of making the finals mm. so advanced metrics like them I mm. guess yeah well, you know, I went into that conversation thinking we can come out with a good trade, but yeah, moral of the story is you can't trade Ben Simmons. Right? Keep him. Yeah. Well, uh, you make a good point. They were so close to the finals last year. It's just keep going. Keep going. Um, all right. Well, should we move on? Let's move on. Let's move on to a section that we have somewhat adopted, uh, the 15 and 30, mm. uh, adopted from the 15 and 60, where we're just going to run through the Western Conference, talk about where these guys are, Give two minutes on each team. You know, a couple of thoughts that we've noticed in maybe the last week, or like at least through the season. And yeah, let's see where we're. Let's let's hit it off with the the surging Dallas Mavericks, mm. who are first in offense, sixteenth in defense, and eleven and six on the season. Mm. Uh, do you want to start the Luca Gasm, or should I? I will. I will. <laughs> Luca is like literally. literally <laughs> You weren't kidding. You actually are starting the Luke Gasm. <laughs> Literally transcendent. The only, the last player that I can think that's taken a leap like this from his first year, which was, you know, fucking rookie of the year, mm. to the to his second season where he's just elevated his game to be like, yeah, Luke, like Luke is probably all NBA first team. Yeah. The forward spots will be between Giannis, him and LeBron so far. So he's the best, you know, the third, at worst, the third best forward in the league. Yeah. Um, the only player I can think 
and you acquire Paul George. N- not yeah, yeah. But like, <laughs> I'm thinking like in terms of taking this developmental jump from uh, year one yeah. to year two, it's LeBron and Kevin Durant are the only players who have in their second year been like, oh wait, this might be one of the six best players in the league, mm-hmm. and they they have the number one offense. They turned it around on defense. Uh, Luke is really fucking good, and they have a really really well rounded deep roster. They, you're right. The the roster is it's very Dallas. You know, heaps of point guards and then heaps of bigs, and then like you know, it really helps that you've got Luca, who's just amazing in the middle and uh, on the wing. But um, Daniel Rue had a really good point where he goes, you you head into the season, you go, oh, who's going to make this seven eight seed in the West? Is it going to be like um, Sacramento, Minnesota? No one actually said Phoenix, but Phoenix is there, and then Dallas. And at the start of the season, everyone was saying like, this is amazing. Like, what a crazy good story. Luca's back, or Luca's here. And then, you know, everyone's like, great, so Dallas are in the playoffs. But now that they're performing so well and they're becoming pretty... They're, they're on their way to becoming an elite mm. West contender, you need to start asking... Instead of asking, like, well, you know, are they going to, you know, versus Houston or win one game? That's amazing. You need to start stop asking that and say, well, how are they actually going to perform? Because you look at Kristaps Porzingis, who you know, has sort of definitely fallen behind the shadow of Luca, but he is pretty much just a spot up shooter now. Like he is a glorified European Ryan Anderson. And that's that's a good player, but he's getting paid the max to be the Zinger. He's getting paid the max to be that rim defender, rim runner, absolutely crazy, the original unicorn. But if he's just gonna be a spot up shooter who is, you know, isn't finishing in the paint, obviously um, he's had the huge injury and he's taken eighteen months off, but you know you're hoping to turn it around because when we start asking the question of how far <coughs> how far can they go in the playoffs it's really going to rest on you know if you if if they're going to if defenses are really going to lock down on Luca someone else needs to make the shots and if it if you look to your second best player and he's not performing as a second best player then there's a little bit of problems but this is also you know 50 60 70 games in the future yeah, i yeah. am i am jumping yeah i'm jumping really early on this but, yeah. but it's a credit to the team that you're now actually having to forecast like how they're going to perform in the playoffs because you're like this is where we this expect real, them to be yeah. yeah this is real um we say well i mean we're talking about the west for now but we say yep dallas is first in offense this is real but we're definitely not saying the, saying the same thing with the second in offense washington wizards no one's asking playoff questions there. Yeah, yeah. Well, the thing is about the Wizards is that they'll score 135 and give up 140. So. Well, you watched the game today with Phoenix. Yes, I did. They scored, unfortunately, they scored 140 and gave up 132. <laughs> but, yeah. Anyway, yeah. next team, Denver Nuggets, who are 19th in offense, first in defense, and sitting at 13-3. and three. Mm. Um, This has been... Jokic hasn't been Jokic, I think mm. you know, as someone who has him on your fantasy team. Yeah, no. But what's even more surprising is that, you know, we headed into the season saying, like, what an acquisition of Jeremy Grant. This is amazing. He's going to be the future power forward next to Jokic. Like, you know, this is great. Like, what a season. But, you know, he actually can't outplay Millsap. Like, Paul Millsap, who everyone went, all right, this is the third third year of his, the last year of his contract. Like, he's just going to fade away. Old man, bloody blah, bloody blah. Paul Millsap, um, while on the court, is holding opponents to 11.4 points worse per 100 possessions. And when he's on the court, Denver has by far the best defense. And as a team, he is one of the major reasons why they have the best defense in the league. Which is, you know, when we when we went into the season, we didn't think that, what is it, 16 games in, we're going to be talking about how well Millsap's been playing and how well, how not well the fucking Joker has been playing. Mm. Yeah, well, I mean, Jokic has had a slow start, but it speaks well to his ability to still impact the game and then the team's depth that they've only lost three games. They're 13-3. and three. Mm-hmm. So, uh, And I think, yeah, last offseason, uh, th- the Nuggets had a $30 million team option on Millsap and everyone was expecting them to decline it and then try and negotiate like a, a lower mm-hmm. salary deal. And they were like, no, nah, we'll just pick it up. Mm-hmm. And Paul Millsap is, you know, like looking like an all-defensive player. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so far. So, you know, and, and he's still got that uh, scoring touch, the tough rebounding, and he's always been a really good playmaker. Mm-hmm. Just moves the ball well, really fits with the ethos of this Denver team. And then a dude like Jamal Murray is still averaging just a shade under 20 and he's averaging just a shade under five assists. So he's, you know, fits into that like young dynamic scoring guard mold. Mm-hmm. And then all the depth pieces that we were talking about last year, 
I'm back. I actually haven't watched that much, that much Nuggets this year, so I just quickly looked up Michael Porter Jr.'s stats <laughs> to see if he's popped, and he has not popped. He, so. He's playing, which is yeah. that's important. He's playing, and yeah. he hasn't played basketball in a year. But um, also another good thing to be, another good reason to be a Denver fan is that they're 19th in offense with their best offensive player, arguably the best offensive player in the league, not doing anything so far. So let's say... A seed, you know, 50 games from now, Jokic is back to Jokic form, then you've got, you're inserting the, you know, you're inserting in inverted commas, mm. the best offensive player into a team with the best defense. That's, yeah. you've got a season to turn around. That's yeah. not a bad, not, not a bad way to be. Yeah, that's a pretty good spot. Speaking of bad ways to be, the next <sighs> team on the list, the Golden State Warriors, who Yikes. are on a streak, winning two games in the last week against Memphis and Chicago. Absolutely killing it at four and fifteen. Man, I'll tell you what about the Bulls. I know we're supposed to talk about the West, but those Bulls are really <laughs> they're really using Thad Young, hey. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But yeah. we're both wrong with some things. But yeah. uh anyway, Golden State twenty sixth in offense, twenty nine ninth in defense. Um our player with the highest plus minus at the moment is Kai Bowman. Who? Exactly, the, the blonde guy. Um, you actually, I, I wouldn't blame you if you were like, who's that blonde dude? And he's like, oh, it's Kai Bowman who just dyed his hair a couple yeah. of games. Like, look, man, Kai, you're really trying to like find your way in the league. You're trying to like shape an image. You're trying to stick in the league. Don't change your hair after a good five games you because you need <laughs> instant recognition. You need to be in, you need to be instantly recognized, like yeah. really quick because. Sorry, Carboman, you're not a household name. Um, in the last two weeks, we're 15th in defense, and we're still expecting uh, Kevon Looney to come back. Mm. And uh, our city jerseys are gross. Yeah. <laughs> Have you seen the city jerseys? No, I actually haven't. I'm so, you know the right town now. jerseys? We're gonna, you said last week that we're, we might become like a reactionary podcast where we just like watch stuff and then react. <laughs> this is literally what that's going to be. So, it's the town jerseys, but instead of a yellow trim, it's a dark blue trim. Is this the one? No, 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 no. Which one? Great. Oh, there he is. Oh, that is gross. That is gross. And especially because it's a Glenn Robinson III jersey. <laughs> um, but when... So obviously with all the city jerseys, they've got different jackets. Um, each player wears different jackets. It's the exact same thing with a different color palette. Mm. Um, everyone wears different jackets with like a separate logo on the back. But if you look, uh, I wouldn't ask you to Google. It's pretty, I don't, actually don't want you to see it. Like, it'll hurt your eyes. So on the back of everyone's jersey, like for example, there's the Miami with the blue wave jerseys. It's yeah. obviously blue and it's got the pink um, lettering. Golden State, it says Golden State Warriors on the back, but it literally looks like it's in Calibri font. Like it is, there's no font. There is, it's just block writing and it just says Golden State and it's got nothing to do with the actual town city jersey. That's right. Anyway, what do you have to say about the Warriors? <laughs> Uh, that's bad is all I had to say about the Warriors no I think this season is in a weird way it's like a bizarro world uh, 76ers process situation where there's like a whole bunch of dudes who you're like mm, who are you and yeah. you have to throw them at the wall and see what sticks for next year when you're hopefully going to load up a playoff run it's good that Eric Pascal is <laughs> going to be a rotation team on the next Golden State play- a rotation player on the next Golden State playoff team you want to see Alan Smiley-Gooch play. Yeah, well, then, he's supposed to be coming back soon. Yeah, it's supposed to be soon. <laughs> and then you want to see if there's like um, Swaggy Pool, Jacob Evans, and Amari Spellman can be rotation players. Oh, so, I, I don't reckon Swaggy Pool can be a rotation player. Yeah, that's a pretty rough thing to <laughs> it's, say about. It's not looking good. Uh, yeah, so I think that you just have to see, like, can we get like a sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth man on a cheap contract out of this season? Yeah, that's a really ugly font. That is an ugly font. <laughs> um, no. Gross. Anyway. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, let's just let's just hit five thirty eight. Five thirty eight uh, gives Golden State a two percent chance of making the playoffs. That seems extremely generous. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the exact same. It's actually higher than the Grizzlies. Actually, that's that's not good radio. Let's move on to the next team, the Houston Rockets, who are sitting at twelve and six, sixth in offense and seventeenth in defense. With James Harden doing James Hardy things, we we spoke about him last week. He's, you know, incredibly good at basketball. Um, 
I tell you who's not incredibly good at basketball, and it's Russell Westbrook, who's shooting 22% from three or 23%. Yep, 22. Um, he's the dude that you Googled as soon as we started talking about mm. Houston. Uh, he's struggling. Um, it's if, if you watch the game with, um, with Dallas, Dallas, every single time James Harden touched the ball, they threw a double, which is really interesting to see. Like, what the hell do you do when someone's throwing a double, like, every single time? Um and the answer is Russell Westbrook just jack shots up and Clint Capella got 20 rebounds for three games in a row just because there's more rebounding opportunities there's a lot of misses when someone misses a lot of shots yeah um, Russell Westbrook hasn't shot above 45% from the field since 2015 when he shot 45.4 so no nah, Westbrook's numbers are down quite substantially they're down he's down seven points uh, four boards and f- almost four assists but that's just a function that the counting numbers is just a function of um, James Harden dominating the ball as much as he does he's maintained that otherworldly usage rate and it's working they're playing Westbrook kind of as like a glorified spot up shooter but mm-hmm. he's making money still just attacking off closeouts because people are like oh shit that's Russell Westbrook like I better defend him yeah like usually he's on ball so you're like holy shit like this is terrifying yeah and now that he's off ball there's still like some cognitive dissonance in defenders heads where they're like oh fuck that's the MVP of the league like I better get up in his grill yeah and Westbrook's still really really good going to the rim he's not getting there as much as he used to but when he does get there he's still well we were elite. we were optimistic about this pairing because we thought it was going to be like we thought you know if Russ is catching it off James Harden breaking down his defender then it's going to be amazing because Russ is going to be going against a guy who's backpedaling mm. and he's just going to absolutely kill it because while you know, you and I aren't the biggest fans of him. He's definitely still good at attacking the rim and finishing at the rim. But a stat I heard today is that when James Harden and Russell Westbrook share the floor, which has been quite a few minutes this year, they're a plus 6.5. Mm. When James Harden is on the floor just by himself, plus 16.5. But when Russell Westbrook is on the court um, by himself, they are a negative 10. So plus 6 together and negative 10 for Russell Westbrook. So that could either be because Westbrook is not at a stage in his career where he can be a one-man offense anymore, or it could be that he's just stepping into an offense that's been tailor-made for James Harden's skill set, and he's not able to thrive in that offense on his own because he doesn't have James Harden's skill set. I'm not usually a Russ. <laughs> I'm not usually a Russ sympathizer, but I would tend to lean more towards the second one. Yeah, fair I'm enough. still all in on like killing Westbrook's <laughs> shot selection and percentages and efficiency but this is like the rare offense where yeah, I yeah, think yeah. if there was any other player in the league like it wouldn't be successful yeah. it's just because James Harden's such a singular wacko on the court mm. yeah anyway other singular wackos let's move on to the LA Clippers who mm. are full of singular wackos um, and can chuck five of them on the court at the same time for that amazing lineup with plus J. Michael Green um, so the Clippers are 14-5 on the season 8th in offense 9th in defense you know the the numbers don't really tell the story because while you know they're both good numbers in both sides of the floor they are they're definitely they're definitely better than they are with their record because obviously some players haven't played here and there uh, and we still actually haven't seen Paul George and Kawhi play together with Landry Shamet, who is really good and can really actually help their team and stretch the floor and it's just petrifying of what they could do with those three guys um, Montres how are we here to game winner today I did see that yeah <laughs> so that's pretty much all I want to talk about is Montez Harrell yeah. who today had 24 and 10 in 30 minutes the other day had 34 and 12 in 28 minutes and then two games before that put up a 28 12 and 5 line in 28 minutes yeah. anyway he's pretty damn good he's averaging 19 minutes uh, 19 points a game and 7.6 Imagine boards. Imagine if Lou Williams and Montrose Harrow were still on Houston together. Yeah, fucking imagine. <laughs> and they could have been. Like, they they still could have been. Do you want the spoiler alert for Montrose Harrell? Yeah. He might be Houston's fifth best. Um, the Clippers' fifth best player. Who's the fourth best? You could make a case for Beverly or Shannon. No, you can't. Yeah. Montrose Harrell, surely he's the third or fourth best player. You can't have Patrick Beverly ahead of Montrose Harrell. Patrick Beverly's good. 
Patrick Beverly is good. Oh. Anyway, my point is <laughs> the dude who's averaging 19 and 7.5 and is coming off the freaking bench yeah. for a team that has George and Leonard. And that's really scary. I think the numbers <laughs> don't tell the story. And I still am just like, you know, terrified for other teams of the situation where they're like, mm. anyway, we've got like a ball handling guard. And then, like, a really good ball-dominant wing and a couple of, like, other secondary scorers. We're mm. feeling really good about our playoff chances. Mm. We can really create when the offense gets bogged down. And then you play the Clippers and it's like, Hun, Hun, <laughs> no, you can't. You won't be able to. Yeah, so, well, it's, it's really easy just to not really think about the Clippers. Like, we're going to go on to the Lakers in a second who are 16-2 and two and absolutely playing amazing in the regular season. Um, but the Lakers really seem like they're trying to win the regular season. You don't get that same you know feel from the Clippers who are just sort of here for a title like here for a good time not a long time mm. here for six months later um, but anyway the Lakers who are 16 and 2 third in offense and 10th in defense um, this is the best record after 18 games since 2008-9 they're they're a good team <laughs> they're a good damn team uh, best yeah. in the league best in the league Anthony, I definitely didn't pick it yeah I wouldn't have picked them to be a squad either but Anthony Davis is elite and he's anchoring one of the best defences in the league and also scoring 40 points against his old team like he did today LeBron is doing exactly what I think you thought he would do um, prior to the season where he's not scoring as much his scoring is down by about 4 or 5 points but his assists are up mm. to league leading levels mm. uh, and they're getting just enough from their role players that it's okay mm. Kuzma hasn't really popped yet but well I wanted to ask about that because like he is having pretty much a season from hell because mm. he doesn't start at the start of the season which is always a bit hard for players to jump in you know jump in in the middle of the stream. I don't know where my analogy was going there. But then also when he came back, he had the eye laceration and it's like no one's really expecting him to play well, but you sort of need to think about the playoffs here. Like what's what's his role going to be on this team when they're trying to win games in the playoffs? And we haven't seen him succeed much at the moment. The one good thing I think is that he does have quite good chemistry with LeBron. Yeah. Spotting up and cutting off LeBron. LeBron's finding him which is something at least that can be like a bedrock skill mm. that you rely on whilst you kind of figure out the rest of your role you just hope that this team doesn't get halfway through the season and then it's like you one of their like Danny Green breaks his thumb mm. and Avery Bradley is your new Danny Green for you know like a month and mm. then you're actually like oh wait this doesn't work mm-hmm. so yeah that, I think there's a trade to be made for this team like but down the track just to solidify some depth mm. But for the moment, my opinion is that 16 and 2 is pretty good. Yeah, it's it's all good at the moment. But yeah, we're both completely ready for them to shit the bed. Is that... Is it? No, not shit the bed. Not no, shit the bed. They, they, LeBron's they, playing too good shit they the could, bed. They could drop. All right. Uh, and speaking of dropping, I'm full of like in the segues today. Uh, the Memphis Grizzlies, 5 and 12. Um, 24th in offense, 24th in defense. Nice and easy to say. Uh, two things I've got to say. Ja Morant, is he, do you think he's going to win Rookie of the Year or mm-hmm. yep. over Zion? Yeah. I still love Zion. Okay. Um, and then the second thing I was going to say, glad we got over that conversation, is Triple J is really aggravating. Mm. Jaron Jackson Jr. comes out and he plays amazing, but he just fouls so much. Yeah. Like he's... he'll come out, he'll hit six threes in a quarter, but then he's also got five fouls and you can't play him <laughs> until like later. Yeah. Every time I check a box score, it's like Jaron Jackson Jr. <laughs> 23 minutes. I'm like, I don't even need to check why he played 23 minutes because yeah. I just know it's about. He's the Western Conference's answer to Mitchell Robinson on the Knicks. Yeah. You're, you're like, man, <laughs> your, your defensive potential is through the roof. Yeah. And when you get it right, you look like you'd be an all-defensive team player. And every other time, it's just a crazy foul and you sit because, you know, not one of those players where they get two quick ones and then they're like, the commentators are like, and the coach is going to leave him in here. He's just going to play <laughs> without can't leave him. He can't in. leave him in. He just loves failing. It's yeah. a bit, I think um, when Jonas Valanciunas was in the G League, I think it was him. It's a bit ironic that they're on the same team. Um, in the G League, you can't actually fail out. So he actually averaged about five fails a game because he would be getting to like eight, seven, and nine. Um, just a little tidbit that they're on the same team. A little bit of JV chat. <laughs> we do love a JV chat here on the Deep 2 NBA podcast on Spotify, iTunes, wherever you get your daily podcast. <laughs> uh, next team, the Minnesota Timberwolves. Ooh. Hanging in. Hanging in at 10 and 8, 18th in offense, 12th in defense. Hanging in the playoffs, which... Hanging in by the 
the thread of Carl Anthony Towns' dreadlocks, mm. which just brushed his eyebrows. Yeah. Um, because who would have known? Who would have thunk it? But Andrew Wiggins has cooled down. Who would have thunk it? <laughs> who who would have thought that was going to happen? Yeah, Google his box scores. No, I'm not going, I'm not going that way. I'm going elsewhere. You're going elsewhere? Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. This this team just is starving of shooters. If Andrew Wiggins isn't going to score his 40 points and do his crazy, hey, look, I'm good at the start of the season, then not really do anything. Um, this, the only two good three-point shooters are Carlton Towns and Robert Covington. And it's a bit hard to stretch the floor and open up the floor when you've only got two shooters and the defense can just lock in on them. And I'm pissed off as well because Rocco's on my fantasy team, but he's the only shooter and he's not getting many threes because... He's literally the only guy the defense has to worry about from beyond the arc. Kyle Anthony Towns is so damn good. <laughs> um, he's actually just a destroyer of worlds at the moment. Mm. He doesn't jump on his three-point shot, but it always goes in. Yeah. And he's still that unicorn in the paint, in the mid-range. He's really, really good. The outlook for them is a little bit dicey because their depth isn't great. They lack shooting. And if Wiggins does come back down to earth significantly, then it's like, whoa. But... The current standings, um, I said that where they've already got a game and a half lead on the Suns, mm. and the Suns and the Suns are ninth, um, and then the Kings are tenth, and the Suns have a game and a half lead on the Kings. So they're, you know, they're, they're in the driver's seat. They're in the driver's seat for that spot in the early going. So, Carlton Towns is the best player on any of those three teams, and he's dragged an average team to the playoffs before so I wouldn't be surprised to see him do it again well they're in the next five games um, the Minnesota are going to meet Phoenix, Dallas and the Lakers so that Phoenix game will be really interesting yeah they already beat us this season <laughs> um, hopefully well we're going to talk about Phoenix soon let's just talk about them in their section the New Orleans Pelicans are 6-12 and 12, 9th in offense 25th in defense uh, it's time to panic if they want to make the playoffs. It's definitely time to panic. They they're not need, making the playoffs. They're not making the playoffs. Cleaning the glass gives them expected 32 wins, which is not making the playoffs. Um, and it's sort of sad because, you know, they're getting trotted out there on national TV games, but the reason they're on national, well, part of the reason is because Zion Williamson's on mm. their team, but Zion Williamson isn't playing. So, yeah, it's... Let's just wait till the rookie of the year comes back healthy. He's he's set to return mid mid December, which, mm. as people that are about to reach December, that's really exciting. Mm. <laughs> Other than that, you can't assess the season until you've seen what the team looks like for a couple yeah. of months with Zion. The one thing that you can assess uh, and factor into your plans, though, if you're the Pelicans, is like, is this Brandon Ingram stuff real, mm. and are we comfortable paying him 150 million dollars next off season? Because that's what the price is going to be. If not, then they should explore trades because there would be a market for him. As, yeah. uh, as talked about. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Anyway, next team, the Oklahoma City Thunder. 6-11, 20th in offense, 14th in defense. I'm not going to lie. I haven't watched this team. Um, I watched Actually, I watched one game against the Lakers because uh, I wanted to watch the Lakers, but I haven't been watching this game. I'm seeing this as a farm for trades, and yeah, <laughs> it's, yeah. it just seems like a trade show. Yeah. Uh, the In terms of the play of the team, um, they're probably, I think they're 6 and 12, they're probably a little bit better than that. Chris Paul's look good. Gildas Alexander is really good. Mm. He's averaging, I think he's averaging 21, 5 and 4 on like some really really nice efficiency he's just such a smooth player mm. the one thing I think that's going to make this team relevant going forward you mentioned Trade Farm I think Danilo Gallinari is going to be traded to a contending team he's on a 22 million dollar expiring so um, you know a team with some bad contracts and a first round pick to offer can funnel that back and Gallo is a dude who could really make some noise on the right team mm. so I hope he does make some noise and I was really hoping it would be in Portland but obviously Portland said they don't want to they don't want to fix their team with a trade because they're happy with Kent Bazemore so they signed <laughs> Mello so good on them <laughs> alright the team I wanted to get to the 8 and 9 Phoenix Suns Oof. who are 12th in offense 15th in defense and just lost to the second in offense Washington Wizards um I still think that this team's in it. I think you've been really unlucky with injuries and steroids. <laughs> you've been really unlucky with Aaron Baines not playing for the last couple of games and then Ricky Rubio, Rick Rubio. Rick Rubio. With back spasms, like playing every second game here or there. Yeah. And it's 
it's just pretty gross when they don't play because you're really reverting back to the Phoenix Suns of old with Czech Diallo, who had a good game today. Czech Diallo, actually, <laughs> and I'll, I'll level, I had never seen Czech Diallo play basketball really? before like three games ago when he rocked up and scored 20. Well, Czech Diallo is like catching the ball in the post, pivoting into a face-up jumper, and it's going in. Did it's, you see his dunk today? Yeah, I did. <laughs> it's going in. Not only is it going in, it's going in purely like it's beautiful Jack Diallo keep shooting he's um, better than Frank Kaminsky that's all I have to say I'm not gonna lie I have watched quite a bit of Jack Diallo I don't know why but for some reason I watched a couple of New Orleans games he was always playing also in 2k he's extremely underrated he's one of those dudes rated like 72 but he plays well above his yeah, well above 79. his average you know seriously like he's because he's, he's really tall and he's got a little bit of shooting touch yeah um, I don't know why I'm talking about 2k so seriously <laughs> but he's actually really good at 2k so if you ever get a chance to use Phoenix I'll definitely jump on um, um look as we said in Minnesota these two teams are going to play each other in the coming days it's going to be a really good game I'm sure and it's actually going to really help with uh, standings and I'm going to be going for Phoenix because I've got a soft spot for him because mm. I have to listen to you be miserable last season and a little bit happy this season before tempering your expectations right now I think yeah I am I am I, I think you're still in the playoff hunt because you're going to get Aaron Baines back who's been playing out of his mind and DeAndre Ayton's coming back soon when's 25 games what are we it'd be mid-December late December yeah uh, yeah so Baines being out really hurt us because we can't defend anyone with Kaminsky at the five Kaminsky is really bad <laughs> he's so bad and watching him makes me sad uh, and missed, then missed the four first round picks <laughs> yeah four first round picks fucking Frank Kaminsky coulda shoulda woulda Michael Jordan uh, yeah and with Ricky Rubio it's been a lot of Elia Kobo and Tyler Johnson running the point mm. which is not ideal like you know Tyler Johnson has like your fourth guard you're like money Tyler Johnson as your second guard and he was starting the other day yeah it's like what's the opposite of money <laughs> um, the one thing that makes me really happy though is that Cam Johnson who the yeah. entire NBA universe including me panned as a draft pick is actually already good mm. he's regularly scoring like 14 plus with like two or three and eight threes um, he's like he's He's you know showing that shooting touch like he hasn't had a dip at all in his shooting. He, yeah, he's we we said at the start of the season that his shot looks amazing. And yeah, the commentator summed it up really well today, where like he took a jumper and it you know, went in, and then they were like, imagine like imagine what it must feel like that every single time you rise up for a jumper, everyone in the stadium thinks you're going to make it, mm. and I'm like that that would be cool. It's, it, is a, uh, it is a wet jumper, so that trade doesn't look awful especially with Saric playing better in the last couple of games he's really mm. kind of like and Jarrett Culver who's already old not really yeah proving to be as established as you would hope for a 22 year old no I think Jarrett Culver's 21 oh yeah but still you would, Cam, you would, Cam Johnson is old Cam Johnson is 23 mm. so like well, you're, you're, you know. at the moment you'd rather have the two guys you got instead of yeah definitely, um, definitely. but <laughs> I'm super prepared to eat those words two years from now yeah <laughs> Yeah. When you've got a glorified Darius Miller and... <laughs> Ooh, don't say that. Let me ride the wave. All right. Uh, on to the next team. Last three teams. We've got Portland Trailblazers who can are 7-12. Can I lead the Portland discussion, please? Of course. Do you so, want me to give you their fundamentals? Uh, yeah, please, please, please. 7th in offense, 21st in defense. Go. All right. <laughs> so the um, NBA Twitter and NBA Instagram is oh. all like, Mellow's back. Yeah, everyone's saying and I'm so I glad saw... to have Mellow back. I saw a th- I saw a video today which was like uh, like Nate because there was today was a uh, today uh, Thursday was a very big NBA game the twenty eight teams playing and there was like a top ten players was like which was your favorite player and there was like nine amazing players and then it was Mellow's <laughs> baseline dunk where it was like he barely got off the ground anyway Mellow is averaging sixteen points through um, his first five games. Um, but the really interesting thing is that he's shooting 39% on two-point attempts. Um, <laughs> that's a really good three-point attempt rate, though. That's, that's really good if it's from three. Yeah, he's actually shooting better from three than he is from two. His usage is 26 um, 0.6% which is just like the dude hasn't played in over a year and all of a sudden he's coming in and his usage rate is in like the top mm. the top like 
you know, he's in like yeah. the 80th percentile for forwards. This is a lot of Carmelo Anthony, and he is getting his numbers because he's finishing one quarter of his <laughs> possessions. So you should next time you watch Mellow Dunk or even that Mellow Dunk against Chicago. Uh, sorry, who they play to? It may have been Chicago. That's really unprofessional of us, but actually, no, Golden State beat Chicago today. Um, it was the Thunder. I'm going to leave that in. Yeah. It's organic. Keep, keep it authentic. Yeah, it's organic. organic. Um, anyway, so what he does is he gets up with a dunk. So he's like Kobe in his last season where he'll hold it on his fingertips. And then Jalen Rose always talks about old man dunks. So he'll hold it on his fingertips and he'll put it in. And like Kobe was the best at just like fingertipping it in. Oh, I touched the ring that's done. Yeah. But Mallow doesn't want to be known as the old man, I assume, because he fingertip dunks it. And then he grabs on with his fingertips and pulls himself up. So it looks like he got a lot of vertical. Yeah. So next time you're watching Mellow Dunk, which hopefully none of us have to, um, <laughs> otherwise we'll have to wash our eyes out, but he's definitely fingertip old man Duncan pulling himself up to make it look like he's bigger than he is. Anyway, good on you, Mellow. Uh, NBA Twitter definitely loves you. On to the next team. The Sacramento Kings are 7-10. and 10. Not bad after starting zip and five, uh, but they're 23rd in offense, 22nd in defense. Um... They currently sit 29th in pace, which is pretty gross for a team that was known for their pace. And in half-court possessions, they're 21st in the league. And look, you you would you would hope to say that they'll be better once Bagley and Fox comes back, but they lost their five, first five straight games with Bagley out. The the bogey train is is definitely going. It's, <laughs> it, it is rolling, but it is rolling. I don't know. I want to know if there's a trade for Bogdanovich coming because uh, on the season he's averaging uh, 15, five, 15, five assists and then four boards mm-hmm. and he looks actually really decent. Not as like a secondary ball handler, but like it's like him and Corey Joseph. He's like, it's like one and one A. Like he's handling the ball a lot and he's facilitating in the half court really nicely. He's got that shooting touch and he's big so he can still score. And he is making himself a lot of money. He is. He's making himself a lot and of money. And he's the perfect trade candidate as like a gunning two mm. off the bench. Like. Yeah, well, his contract now is $8 million, so pretty much every team could swing a trade for him. Mm. But it's like, do like, can the Kings afford to pay him mm. what his next contract's going to be? I think he turned down four for $60 million, four years for $60 million at the start of the season or in the off-season. So, the, you know, the baseline is going to be a $15 million a year for this bloke. Mm. So... Okay. You're going to be looking at 21. You're probably going to be looking at like, you know, like maybe four for 84, like a Malcolm Brogdon contract. I actually... At the very least. I actually wake up in the middle of the night and I seriously stress about the Kings. If they do keep Bogey and they do re-sign him, just think if they miss the playoffs this season, which 538 projects them to do so, um, if they miss the playoffs and they've just re-signed Bogey and they've got pretty much their whole core, apart from the two, the two guys of their rookie contract under contract for a team that hasn't made the playoffs and hasn't really proven anything apart from one good season I'm I'm really worried <laughs> it's it's just how bad things happen when you're when you're locking in a team for under delivered potential it's just yeah we've seen it before and I hope it doesn't happen Dwayne Dedman is playing 18 minutes a game no yeah. 15 minutes a game and he's averaging <laughs> um, five and a half points and four and a half boards yeah and um, Rashawn yeah. Holmes is great but Rashawn Holmes is not great. He's <laughs> he's he's maybe good. He's serviceable, but he's yeah. athletic. I'd really, I don't want him to trade him because Bogey's like one of the only dudes I like in this team. Yeah, um, he's literally like the number one reason why they're not dead in rare. the water. Yeah, but I don't know. Looking in a team that hasn't proven anything. Anyway, let's move on to another team that has proven something, but not this season. San Antonio Spurs, who are sitting at 6-13, and 13, 11th in offense, 26th in defense. And look, this is what happens when you trade Kawhi Leonard for DeMar DeRozan. <laughs> <laughs> Your team becomes worse. <laughs> it's... Yeah. it's oh. Hey, Jakob Pertle was in that trade as well, don't forget. Jakob, if they play, their best defensive lineup is Jakob Pertle and LMA. Yeah. But when they do that, they can't score a thing. Yeah, they really can't. So... I just can't get out of my head when talking about Jakob Pertl, the um, Game of Zones episode that referred to him as Jake Puddle. <laughs> well, the... Um, I can't remember who it was. I think it might have been the Chicago um, announcers who, when they introduced him in the starting lineup, they said Jacob Poetl. <laughs> so, you know, it's not too far from the truth. Jakob the Turtle Poodle. 
Ugh. I think that it's time to blow it up. I think that Aldridge or DeRozan should be traded. I think probably DeRozan should be traded more because Aldridge is an easier player to build a an offense around. DeMar DeRozan um, is shooting 0% from three <laughs> on 0.2 attempts per game. Yeah. So that's... You know, that's straight up like Ben Simmons numbers from two years ago. And that reluctance as someone who is a ball handling two guard, it really hamstrings your offense, especially playing him next to DeJounte. <laughs> yeah. As we discussed before, like the dude's averaging 10 points, he's not an offensive dynamo. Mm-hmm. That, that they've, they've already fallen behind in the playoff race. They're probably not going to be able to turn it around. They lost eight straight, which yeah. is like the longest losing streak. Why did Pop in. say fake news? That didn't make any sense. No, he was like having a laugh. Okay. Yeah, he's like, no, like we didn't lose eight straight. What are you talking about? That's just like I know he's close to retirement, but yeah, I, I, I feel bad for Spurs fans because it's a bad product on the court. I just wonder if a team like the Magic might be like, man, we need a good player to get us into the playoffs this year because we thought we were going to be the fifth seed. <laughs> so let's not look to the Spurs. <laughs> no, well then they're like, you know, DeRozan, he's averaging yeah. 22 a game. Let's bring him in. Like DeRozan for like Fournier and I don't know, someone else. I haven't really thought it out. Fournier but... who had 30 points today and four steals. Yeah. DeRozan um, for someone like Fournier and another player to make the salary that salaries match. I think San Antonio, if you offered them a trade like that, they'd be like, "Whoa, take it." Yeah, yeah. take it. Yeah, even if it's just Fournier, but yeah. a trade that I want to I want to get your thoughts on it. I don't actually have the specifics, but can you see DeRozan in New York? <laughs> nah, I think because New York know that if they did that, it would be like, you know, like. Even New York can't convince themselves that DeRozan <laughs> is the is is the player that is going to be like the face of the franchise. At least with the Magic, they're like we've got Vooch, we're a playoff team last year. We just need someone to come like kind of like give us a bit of a kick. Whereas if you traded KP for cap space and Dennis Smith Jr., who yeah. sucks, yeah. and then you signed four power forwards, and then you were like trust trust us, we have a plan, and then your plan was to bring in DeRozan's DeRozan. twenty seven million dollar <laughs> salary for next year into the team I think like I, I, I think they've already lost the trust of the fans though yeah yeah but I think maybe I'm giving them too much credit because it's in yeah. the next but I feel like that's just a bridge too far I think if James Dolan says oh can I get a dude who was once called a superstar do it mm. I think you'd probably trade for both these guys alright <laughs> <laughs> yeah. oh, no, that's um, grim yeah that is pretty grim but I, I would actually I would rate it I would rate um, DeMar DeRozan scoring like 30 points on a bad Knicks team that's very him. Taking the ball out of Ajo Barrett's hands. Are you taking the ball out of his hands? Taking well, the ball out of Frankie Smoke's hands? They play the same position. Well, they were, yeah, well, he was... Um, Ajo Barrett was all... Sorry, the other way around. Um, DeMar was his comp, his draft comp coming mm. out. Anyway, uh, the final team, the Utah Jazz, future NBA champions, is in 11 and 7, 21st in offense, 7th in defense. Uh, the magic just hasn't been there at the moment. Uh, mm. Obviously, I wrote an article for the for the blog on how Mike Conley just hasn't really turned things around, and a lot of people have been talking about that in the last week, saying that there was a comment where he said, "You know, it's just not like playing with Mark because Mark was so versatile. Mark was all this is he was so versatile when you was when you you know do a pick and roll with him because he can just go anywhere and he can also play off the ball that he gets. But with Rudy, it's pretty much one dimensional. You throw it to him and he dunks it. Mm. So." Look, this team for the past four years has always has always struggled at the start of the season. Well, not really struggled, but they've always had a much stronger second half of the season than their first half. And look, Dante Exum just came back. He hasn't played that many minutes, but he's hopefully going to ease into it. You would say that he's better than Moutier because, I don't know, Moutier, ruin your day. Uh, Ed Davis is set to... will still remain out with a broken leg for another month, but look, it's just all primed for a second half burst when you get your actual... Back up, big back. You get your hopefully Dante Axman can stay healthy. You got a full squad. You get a couple more months under the belt for someone like Mike Conley, and then voila, championship. I'm I'm not I'm not I'm not giving up. No, I I I I back that line of thinking. Um, Bogdanovich has been exactly as advertised, probably mm. even better. He's mm. not playing that many minutes. He's averaging 21 points a game, and he's providing probably their only like consistent deep threat. But like boy, you have to respect that dude. <laughs> And Donovan Mitchell has not really developed as a like playmaker. Yeah. 
or like a versatile player at all, but he's averaging 26 points a game, and that's a pretty high number. And that's just who he is as well. Yeah. That's yeah. what you get. You get Monte Ellis in 2019. Well, legitimately. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I think this team just needs time to gel, and the key piece will be can Mike Conley start actually playing well because if he can then the ceiling of the team is instantly raised mm-hmm. and if they can develop chemistry with Conley and Gobert on that pick and roll then the ceiling of the team is instantly raised mm-hmm. but maybe 16 games isn't enough for them to you know figure out how to do that yet so mm. I I buy giving patience to the Jazz lovely yeah alright well, I think we just went just over half an hour. That's actually pretty good timing. Like, No, surely we went longer than that. I think we were in Ben nah. Simmons for half an hour. We're at an hour now, hour five. All right, fact check us. <laughs> <laughs> Tweet at us at, at Deep2-1. Um, <laughs> that's actually a handle, the Deep2-1. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> anyway, guys. We can't win them all. <laughs> thanks, for, uh, thanks for listening, and we'll chat to you next time. Have a good one.